Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. We really need to hire a person from XYZ Corporation, and that person needs to be from a top-tier school. Sound familiar? Ooh, these are words that every recruiting professional cringes when they hear it. So the criteria is the perfect storm for probably making the worst hire of your career. The truth is your ego wants these things, but the business needs a person with the right DNA to fuel your company growth. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business leaders make great hires. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guests today, Mr. Greg Teruzian. Greg looks familiar. He's a three-time <laughs> champion here. He's the founder and managing director of Elevate Hire. Having worked for startups, globally recognized brands, and recruiting agencies, he brings a unique perspective and a fresh sense of understanding and an elevated level of service to his clients. He previously held roles as recruiting manager for Virgin Hyperloop and director of talent acquisition for Sweetgreen. Greg believes that recruiting and retaining talent is the key to having a successful company, which is why Greg's the perfect expert for today's topic. Greg, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you. It's good to All be right, back. So we're going to talk about one of the things you and I talk about offline, which mm-hmm. is vanity hires. I call them vanity hires. Quite frankly, it's this thing that drives us crazy when a CEO or a hiring manager says, I've got to have this. I need somebody who looks like this, who comes out of a big name company. And I laugh because quite frankly, there's two ways you can attract people like that. Let's just call them for all intents and purposes, A-level talent that's out of your league. Yeah. So two ways to get them are, number one, you're going to have to pay for them. If you're pulling somebody out of an Amazon or something like that, you're going to have to pay them a lot of money, which is out of your budget. The other way is to be the solution to their career wounds. We'll talk a little bit about that and why it's important. Greg, share with me why this is an issue for you or why yeah. you cringe when you hear this. I do a lot of work with early stage companies, with startups, and understandably, they have have that perception that either they're trying to raise around and they say we need someone from x brand name or someone coming out of this place because it's going to look good for our investors and they're going to want to give us more money and in a certain sense you can agree with that but if an investor just wants to invest with you off the back of another brand that's probably a problem and then i have to work with them a lot to think about well let's balance up your business need and the product that you're trying to build or the milestone you want to hit with we need this profile and it's not normally what that person's done, it's in their mind, they think that someone coming out of Instagram is going to be great for their app. They're automatically just going to crush it because they come out of those companies. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Those companies hire great people. Yes. But is it the great person for your company? Probably not. Yeah. What I found, and this has been a recipe for disaster with almost every company that I worked with, that I've pulled somebody out of a big company and was able to recruit them into the organization. It's not really where they want to be. Their genetic makeup is not geared toward being a builder or something to the effect that is going to help innovation within that company or help drive those business goals. Right. It's a sweet balance of hiring the right person at the right time in your growth, the work you want to get done, and obviously the caliber. No one's saying hire a sub performer, so hire a C player when you want to hire an A player, but A player doesn't mean they have to have come from X company, X school, whatever. It's more in their DNA and matching to your company DNA and what the deliverables are. 
well. Well, I think the 80-20 principle holds true in every company. For sure. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is you can have a small, crappy, no-name company where you can have a rock star in there. Definitely. And that person, probably the best hire for your company, but because they don't come out of a key school or a key company, you end up passing on them. And the school's element, the school topic is a big focus these days as well, because obviously diversity is key in the current economy and the current world that we're living in. It's getting the light shone on it that it deserves, obviously, and everyone's trying to pull their finger out. But when you look at community colleges or you look at companies that are just hiring Ivy League, there's this whole talent pool, this diverse talent pool that they're just not tapping into. And it doesn't mean that someone who doesn't have the means to go to that school can't still be an A player like someone coming out of that school. Widening your scope, widening that net is really going to allow you to A, hire great people that you would have otherwise overlooked and B, hire diverse talent that you would never have had the opportunity to. I saw some data that came down from Google a few years ago where they were talking about their best hires came from the University of Illinois. It's not even a top tier school. University of Chicago in Illinois. Mm. So those were their most successful hires. Yeah, that's interesting. And then they've relaxed their criteria where you don't even have to have a college degree anymore. There's plenty of great people that are self-taught that Mm -hmm. are out there, especially in coding. Yeah. In yeah. technology. You really don't need to have somebody who's Ivy League. No, you don't. And again, it's the balance. I would never sit here and tell a founder with no one in their tech team, hey, hire this person who's come out of a coding boot camp because they show a lot of promise. Doesn't mean they're not a great hire, but you still want the foundational team there, someone that can help guide, learn, help this person perform because they've never been in that environment. But I would never say don't look at them for future hires. It's a valuable talent pool as well. But if it's a person who's the right person for the business at mm-hmm. that stage, Why not? It's all about the timing. That really falls back on the interview process. Mm -hmm. The other challenge that founders all also have is they make their decisions based on an interview that is, let's just sit down and chat and I'll find out a little bit more about you and figure out if I like you or not. It's likability and it's pedigree. That's what Mm -hmm. they tend to look for. I would encourage you to take those two criteria completely out of your thinking when you're hiring people. Pedigree, they've already decided that off the resume or their LinkedIn. So you come in and they might think, hmm, person's got a bit of an ego, but they come from a good school, they come from a good company, and I see that they can talk through their experience well, they must be a good hire. Or they do technical testing in these interviews, and the technical test is a good gauge. But if you don't have adequate tech staff, if you're looking for a software engineer, you don't have solid software engineers on your team to assess the code or look at their way of thinking or help guide them through a problem to see how they get to resolution, and you're just doing black and white, you're again going to miss out on really good people. Maybe they weren't at the bar that you wanted or a senior, but do you need that at this time? You need to take that step back and look at what are you hiring for and why before you go down that path and start either having terrible experiences with candidates that are now not going to want to work for you or completely wasting months trying to hire someone that doesn't exist. Yeah, that's very true. And we're still in a competitive market. Even with COVID and everything that's been going on, yes, there's a lot of good displaced people. There's companies that have been decimated. There's people that are out there. But to start thinking, well, I can now attract somebody mm-hmm. out of XYZ Corporation because of the fact that there's displaced people, you're doing yourself a disservice. Definitely, definitely. Having so many people laid off or fur- load and now actively looking it's a blessing and a curse even for companies because i speak to clients all the time that they say well i put up a job description and i get 100 applicants so why do i need a recruiter i'm like well (laughs) is that the best use of your time how much are you getting paid as a salary and spending hours going through applicants and reviewing everyone is it the best but also the people actively looking now are looking with so many others so and some people are desperate they're just applying everywhere it doesn't mean that you're going to be getting a higher bar of candidate or even that you've got the pick of 
with all the people on the market. Still, great people are selective. Great people now, what I found with candidates personally, now that they've been laid off and they have either a bit of runway or time, they're really looking inwardly and thinking about what do they want to do next? What's the company going to offer them? Is it either going to speak to their morals or their values or the product that they want to go or the direction that they want to go? And now it's all about the place of working. And is that company communicating that clearly to me as an employee? Do they have a good culture? What's their value proposition? Instead of let me jump ship to the next thing that's offering me. There are a lot of good displaced people that are taking their time. For sure. They have the luxury to be able to do that. They're going to look for the right place, going to try and avoid the mistakes of their last company. Maybe they went to a place that they didn't vet as hard. Mm -hmm. You're under the microscope too. Definitely. You have to give good interview. Definitely. Good interview, (laughs) good experience and sell your opportunity in the right way. Let's talk a little bit about why this is important to a company. If I'm a founder of a company, why do I need to change my mindset? Why do I need to start thinking in terms of not going for pedigree? For a company, you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste your money. You don't want to hire the wrong person. And then also you don't want to not hire anyone and waste all of this time not hitting your milestones and not having that work done. And there's another way of thinking about it that if you think through this in the right way or enlist someone's help like one of us selling our services, we can help you think about maybe you don't need to hire the person you're looking for. Maybe there's someone internally that's going to cover that work. Maybe you need to hire two people instead of this purple unicorn that you've somehow created in your mind. There's a lot of different ways of thinking about it before you actually waste all of that time and rope in everyone in your company into an interview. We're talking about the combination role, right? Yeah. Like we're looking for a person who does this and this. It's actually two roles mm-hmm. rolled up into one and we're looking for a really high level of skills yes. that doesn't exist. I need someone who's built this type of product and has put it out into the market and who has seen X amount of iterations and they know hardware and they know software, but they've also project managed. And it's like the technology that you want them to use and put out into the market hasn't been around long enough to do two or three iterations so have we thought through that or the amount of experience that you want really doesn't match up with what the market's paying or what your budget is but here's the reality if somebody is doing it they're probably tired of doing it and they don't want to come to your little rinky ding company and do it for you they don't want to do it again they want to do something new Mm -hmm. do you want to go back and do what you did like six months ago already for somebody else yeah here's the other problem is that you have and i don't like to talk about money a lot Mm -hmm. but you would be making them an offer to come to your company for less money than they're probably making right now. And if you are able to pay, which some companies may pull out all the stops and pay, now you're hiring someone just purely on comp. How do you think that's they're going to be retained? Like, yeah, it's transactional now. Exactly. Now and you've then... made the whole thing transactional. Somebody comes around with a fatter wallet, mm-hmm. they're jumping ship and going to go there. Or like the environment that we're in right now, people are looking inwardly and thinking, is the money the most important thing? Or now shall I look at something that's going to speak to me more as an employee or to my values or my quality of life or whatever it is that now is important to them and money isn't the main thing? No, it's not a main driver yeah, at all. Yeah. Prior to the pandemic too, a lot of the people that I was talking to for opportunities, everybody's been open to hearing about things if it would advance their career, yep. if there was growth for them. Mm-hmm. That's been a reoccurring theme. I talk about it a lot. It's not a transactional thing. It's about, hey, how am I going to better my life and my family and better my skill set and grow as a human? Yeah. It's what you were talking about, the solution to their career wounds. I've got this bad experience or this thing that I want to avoid now because I've gone through it, I've seen it, I've dealt with it. And now what can I get that's going to be a better balance for me? Whether it's professionally, personally, time, learning, whatever it is. Exactly. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. 
Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Greg Teruzian. He's the founder and managing director of Elevate Hire. He's also a good friend of mine. We do some work together. Today, we're talking a little bit about vanity hires and why you need to avoid them at all costs. I'm gonna just add one thing to that. I've had numerous CEOs on this show back through the archive that have all talked about how they chase somebody with a pedigree background and three, four months they invested in their time. They finally convinced the person to take the job and join them. And then that person failed miserably. Yeah. I've had more that have said that it's been a disaster than have said that it's been successful. Mm -hmm. Keep this in mind. It'll probably, like I said at the beginning of the show, be your worst hire that you ever made because you're not setting somebody up for success. It's not who they are as a person. Yeah, you really have to communicate your need, also what you're offering and what success is going to look like in this role clearly throughout the process. And I've had, yes, the pedigree and the company and all of that has blinded some hiring managers where they've spent more time chasing the person throughout the process and bending and upping budgets and being flexible than they have to vet them and to set their expectation. And I've been in the same position. As a recruiter on the outside, I can advise and guide as much as I can, but at the end of the day, they're going to make the decision. So I have to somewhat support if they're not going to take my advice, but then it's time wasted for all of us because no, they're not getting... you end up getting blamed at the end of it we if do. it's a bad hire. Yeah, of course. Or right. if they leave, you have to help replace. And yeah. now it's just a data now point. Now you wasted like... six, eight months yeah. with work not getting done. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how we build this into a company. Your organization needs to build out a process to eliminate this. So where do we start? Really, I think this comes down to a few areas. If we take a step back, and one of the problems here is companies not knowing or able to communicate what their value proposition is, their EVP. So their employee value proposition to employees, but then their value proposition as a whole, as a company. There's also, we touched on the competitive market, the competitive landscape, and that's going to be everything from in-demand roles to high budgets or even the location that you're looking to hire. So their value proposition, though, would be who they are as a culture, mm -hmm. their values, and then what they offer. Yeah, it's a few things there for sure, because you've got the personal element or professional element. You've got them as a company, what they're offering that's different to a competitor. Maybe it's just to use the social media companies because there's so many big players. I saw an interesting article the other day where like now every company is doing very similar. Your Snapchats, your Twitters, even LinkedIn, Facebook, everyone's doing a story or posting or whatever it is. You can tag people. All of them do the same. Now people are looking at the values that the company has and which platform they're either going to use or which company they want to work at. So how are you communicating that? and the cultural element. So that's communicating more so. It's more important now that so many people are remote than ever before because someone can come into your interview process and get a sense for your culture when they're on site or meeting the team and how you guys are all working together and all of that or seeing the environment, whether it's the way that everyone's communicating socially or working together in pods or groups or whatever it is. Now being remote, identifying that, communicating that and sharing that is so important. Well, building that into your job description. Mm -hmm. taking that cultural element yep. and make sure that you build it into your job description. I've had people that have reached out to us that typically weren't looking for a job because they read a job description. They really like how we tied in the corporate values mm -hmm. to what it is we offer them. Yes, this very much touches on employer branding. Your employer brand now is important again uh, more than employer ever. Employer branding is such a crock. You think so? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I disagree. You know what? Yeah. Here's the thing. It's used really heavily as a crutch and it's the end all be all. Yeah. Some it's people like not. evangelize it, like mm -hmm. this is the thing that's going to set you aside. No, but a lot of it's bullshit. 
Yeah, it's definitely one data point again. Yeah, like you mentioned before, it's a piece, but it's, it's not. A piece. It's not the end all be all. What it is is now people are spending a lot more time vetting the companies that they want to work for, and probably said it on past shows. I always look for and try and the better hires are your informed job seeker. If they've done their research, your employer brand is one point on this research that they're going to do. But if you communicate everything as a company, whether it's in your job description, where you're talking about your culture, your way of working, what success looks like, what they do, what they're going to offer the candidate, what their EVP is, that's basically your employer brand. The fluff element where you might be going on to is like, we need a social channel to push all of this stuff out. And if we don't have that, we're not going to hire people. The element that bugs the shit out of me is we have the perks. We yeah. have a foosball table, yeah, yeah, we yeah. get free lunch, lunch, we do this, that, yeah. the other thing. Because everybody does that. It's now, not yeah. a... It's not an attractor anymore. No. What do you want to attract? Do you want to attract somebody who's going to really flourish in your role? Or do you want to attract somebody who wants free lunch? Yeah, exactly. Or wants to be able to hang out at the foosball table? Again, is one data point. Having those things, the perks and benefits is great. There's certain benefits that are really important. And again, a lot of what we're talking about here is self-awareness as a company and a hiring manager or hiring team. Shine the light on yourself and think about what are we offering these people? So for example, if I'm trying to hire someone out of, and I've been dealing with this recently, unfortunately, Disney has had a lot of layoffs, for example, and I do a lot of work in the mechanical, electrical, computer vision world, and there's great talent, but they're balancing their benefits, their non-cash benefits to startups, and there's no way you can get a 401k match, you don't have a pension plan, you're not getting these types of bonuses, you're not doing that, and as a company wanting to hire these people, unfortunately, been laid off or furloughed, if you're pulling someone from a Google, Amazon, Facebook, or whatever, and your cash comp is this, what about all the other stuff? Even if you're just looking line for line, are you able to offer someone that? Those benefits are important, especially if someone is a lot of candidates and have their spreadsheets lined up about what everything is side by side in their offers. So that's where you really need to pull in the personal element. The personal element is what's in it for me. It's not comp, guys. So let's start thinking about this in terms of if I'm going to talk to somebody, how is my company going to help them grow? There are people who fit into different categories. You have builders, you have improvers, and you have maintainers. And somebody who comes out of a large company who's used to just staying within their lane is most likely a maintainer. Yeah. And if you're going to put them in a role where they're building something, you need them to innovate, that's not in their DNA. And you have to know how to screen for that in your process. If we were building this into the company, build your value proposition, which is those three elements, the cultural element, the business element, and then the professional element. It may be their progression or their learning or being able to maintain and help amend an existing product, project, whatever it is. We have three elements here that you yes. guys want to plug into your EVP. So you have a cultural element. Who are we? What are we about? You have a business element, which is what is the work? What is the product? All the things that you do, but also what is it that I need this person to perform? And how mm -hmm. are they going to, you need to put the thought into what are the performance metrics for the first 90 days, the first six months that are going to make me be able to realize this person successful or not? That's also a two-sided thing. It's a selfish thing and also a great selling point. When yeah. you put that in, for you as an employer or as a manager, you want to know this person has been the right high and this is what success looks like. As an employee, you're not going to be engaged and you're not going to feel valuable until you have hit your productivity or until you have hit the success metric. You're right. It's a dual thing. Mm -hmm. It's for your business element, but it's also personal and 100%. professional element. People want to feel accomplished and valuable. If you go to school, you get a syllabus for mm -hmm. what you have to accomplish in the quarter. Why should you not get a performance metric sheet in your job description yep. so you understand, okay, this is how you're going to 
evaluate me. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that in job descriptions. Yes, yeah, I know. I've done a lot of advising recently on putting in, even if it's a line or a paragraph on what success looks like in this role. And it's got such great response because people, again, can opt in or opt out. This is helping with your informed job seeker. This is yeah. helping with your EVP. It's helping with your cultural element because now they can see like, oh, well, it's not just a, I'm coming in and fitting in as a cog in this wheel. There is a real need for me. They've put some time and thought into it. And now this is what I'm going to be evaluated against. We build this into every job description. Mm-hmm. So our job descriptions and the advertisements that go out are the same thing. Yeah. In your first 90 days, you're going to accomplish this. And they're measured. And we have a really clear understanding of what needs to be done in the first 90 days. And so does the other person. Yeah. I get the same response. I've never seen a job description that tells me exactly what I'm going to accomplish in the first 90 right. days. And that attracts a lot of high-level players. Mm-hmm. Clarity on it, what needs to be done. Let's talk about another element, which is really important, which is understanding the competitive market. Once you've taken that time to be clear on what you're hiring for, wait, if we take a step back and you're looking at your pedigree, you want your schools and your companies and whatever, basically the pick of the crop. That's what the big players really can do. They can pay for it. They can show success from the past of people that they've had. But they can also absorb. They can absorb them. They have the right structure in place. They have the right training, the rotational, all of that stuff that you now have to compete against. So if you've taken this step back and you're looking at the clarity of what you are hiring for and why, it may have changed your profile. If it hasn't, there's complexity of what's being done and built in your company. So if you're looking at, I have, we can use an app or we can use a piece of hardware. This is what I have to build and this is what I have to release. And maybe now you've got investor money that you have to hit milestones for. The longer time that you take looking for person A that was initially in your mind, then it takes to get someone in the seat to start doing the work, to get it done. The project and the problems are just going to become more and more complex or the timeline is going to completely drag. Yeah. Who's being helped here? The business isn't being helped. I say this with the caveat that it's much more expensive and time consuming to hire the wrong person than it is to wait an extra week or two and hire the right person. So Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you are getting a person who's out of a big name brand company, mm-hmm. that person really needs to convey to you and sell you on the fact that they're not suited for a large company. Mm-hmm. They need to passionately be able to talk about how I'm a startup guy. I'm yeah. a person who thrives in being able to work with multiple things. They have to be able to convey to you why they want to be at a smaller company. And if it makes sense, then yeah, okay, pursue that person. Yeah. But most of them are. They're going to make you chase them and figure out. Then you're going to rack your brain on trying to figure out how you can get that person on board. And that's because they are getting chased by everyone. I'm working with a client right now that has very promising future, good investors, all of that stuff, but they're hung up on that. And honestly, with my outreach, I've had the lowest response rate I have ever. I am pride myself on sourcing good candidates and getting a good response, even if it's a yes or a no, or maybe not now in the future. The lowest response rate because they only want those certain companies and they're getting hit up by everyone. And if they read something and they're like, well, this isn't compelling, this sounds too similar, or this isn't going to appeal to me right now, what they're getting 10 a day, maybe, who knows? But there's that reality check really on what you need and what you're going to be paying that person at the end of the day, because money's not everything. But when you're looking at the competitive market space and you're looking at who you can take a step back and just do a search 
search online for the title or put the criteria in that you want to hire for and see who else is hiring in that location. We have tools between us that we can do a snapshot on a certain city and skill set and look at where these people are currently employed. I've done it for clients before and we look and we're like, well, all the skills you want are currently 80% of them are sitting in Amazon in San Diego or LA or wherever you want to be. Are you going to be pulling people out from Amazon? Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's just review this really quickly. So the things that you want to put in place for your company, you're looking at three elements, your cultural element, your business element, and then having a personal and professional element that you're thinking about as you're writing your job descriptions, as you're putting content out there, your value as you're evaluating yeah. people as you interview. Anything else you want to add? Putting those things together for your value proposition getting that clarity really on what you are hiring for and why being a bit more self-aware of that instead of the ego element and trying to understand your competitive market because being clear on what you want to hire and understand your competitive market should really help you decide on either the comp level or the reality of hiring that person or maybe we need to get a bit more creative here maybe we're looking for the wrong thing creativity wins every yes, time 100 percent. look for yeah. people who are in similar industries who can cross over <laughs> for me the most successful hires have always been they've come from outside of the norm and they've had something to learn and they've had something to mm -hmm. grow in and they've just thrived in the environment and done really, really well. Yeah. So key takeaways you want to give the audience that can plug into the business today. Before we jump into those, I guess it's the solutions as well to some of this we can throw in there. Because when you realize that when you've done that self-reflection, you realize maybe this person's unhirable, to use one of your words. <laughs> this person's unhirable. How can we fix this? Then you can think about looking at hiring now that everyone's doing remote stuff a lot more. Well, here's the thing. If it's a one-way street, you're really trying to figure out how to get this person on board and you're bending and flexing mm -hmm. and this person's not saying, I really want to work there. That's an unhirable person. Yes, yes, yeah. Don't put yourself through that misery. And then try Let and do go. replicate it and do yeah. the same thing again. Yeah. yeah. You can train and mold people into a role as well. You hire someone, like you said, a different industry, someone who has something to prove, someone who's passionate about your offering, your service, your company, whatever it's it is. Strongest hires. Always. Target first, go after those people that you target and then augment them with people that are coming in through your channels yep. and then make sure that you're doing a proper vetting on everybody like they're all recruits. Right, 100%. Some of the best hires have been people I've looked at their resumes I'm like, oh God, it's, there's no I've way this person's thing. good. Then you talk to them and you're like, oh wait, you did that? I literally just had that as well. Yeah. Someone that, yeah, they were a referral from a candidate that I reached out to and I was like, all right, I'll speak to them because they've been referred to me. And I was like, whoa, okay. That's a terrible up, resume. Like, yeah. By the way, the best people write the worst yeah. resumes. Or they just haven't had a resume because they've always been referred into a business yeah. or a company and they've just never had to really try to market themselves and then all of a sudden they're a great candidate. You're like, oh, you built that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. You're hey, just I'm... not communicating your experience properly. Yeah. yeah. Which is great because yeah. everybody else is passing on that person because uh -huh. they're yeah. looking for buzzwords and bullshit. Mm -hmm. Buzzwords and bullshit. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can thank my old mentor for that. That was like the first thing I learned when you got into recruiting. It's all buzzwords and bullshit. <laughs> like that, that's exactly what like it was. That. that was my training. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God I found outside training. <laughs> <laughs> Key takeaways you can give the audience to plug into their business. Craft and solidify your EVP, at least for your company, but use the cultural business professional buckets to help you. Be mindful of the market that you're hiring in and be self-aware of your company's positioning within that market. It's really going to help you. If the people you want or the people that you want aren't currently realistic, then consider creative ways of making your offering more attractive and creative ways of getting the work done. So whether that's, hey, we need a consultant for six months to get this done and then we're going to hire someone else externally or whether it's our budget cap is X, but we can now hire someone remotely and we have great people in Salt Lake or in Austin or Colorado where 
cost of living isn't as high as the Bay Area or LA, let's look at those talent pools now. Yeah, and I'll leave you guys with one last thought, which is I didn't make this up. I've heard this from other recruiters, but the definition of an A player is the top 10 percentile of the person that is within your budget range. Would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I definitely agree in this context, yes. If you take away the hiring limitations, you're basically saying that's your A player within your limitations, within your pool, within your ability of hiring. And there's a lot of really good people that are not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They're just plugging along, doing work they enjoy. And you just need to be aware of what you need to get done, why, and who can do it. Got to pull your head out and look. (laughs) 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 All right, well, shoot, we're just about out of time for today's show. Greg, thanks so much for your time investment today and welcome to the Higher Power Radio community again. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our community can reach in? Plug time. (laughs) Plug time. They can (laughs) find me on LinkedIn, Greg Tarusian. They can find me on Twitter, just my last name, Tarusian. My company website is elevatehire.com. We do have an Instagram page as well, just elevatehire. It's probably everything. My email is greg at elevatehire.com. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, the show is about you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Actually, it's we're kicking off the new year, so it's going to be our first episode for 2021. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.